Hi, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First. We um, have missed a couple of weeks because of the holiday and everything, but we're back. Uh, and also back is Caden Donovan, who is our uh, trans health navigator. Caden, hey, how are you? And welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you so much, Peter. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I love doing these little conversations with you. Yeah, me too. And um, and I think it's really important that we address a few topical issues that are going on at the moment. And, um, you know, it's funny because I always read that, you know, the world has never been in a better position than it ever has been when you consider our, our past as a as a as a race, uh, as a group of people. But um, it's hard to imagine that sometimes. I mean, we know the history of human rights, but it's hard to imagine that when some of the human rights that we've fought really hard for uh, over the past probably 20 years are under threat. Um, and that is a very broad statement that goes from, you know, women's reproductive rights to trans rights to uh, rights of um, BIPOC communities. Um, and it's, you know, it's a very distressing time, I think, for everybody. But when you begin to sort of focus down on those groups and the stress of sort of daily living of people under that kind of um, worry about basic human rights. And I, mean, I remember Jesse Peck once said to me, um, you know, it's really hard to uh, see fairness when you know that you're that somebody's trying to legislate you out of existence. And it, that I know I've, I've probably said that to you before, Kane, but it sticks in my mind as this incredibly strong statement around where people are in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe before we start about that, Kane, maybe, maybe you can just talk a little bit about the program to remind people, because it's it's a gem of a program that we have here at Bouncy, and I'm very proud to uh, be associated with it. Uh, and so if you could just sort of kick off with that, that'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, so again, my name is Caden Donovan. I work for Bamsey um, and I run a program called TCOR and that stands for Transgender Community Outreach Resources and Empowerment. Um, we, we are a huge kind of all-encompassing program, but focusing mainly on mental health and peer support for trans and other gender non-conforming people, um, as well as any member of the LGBTQ community. Um, I also am happy to assist and have assisted with medical referrals like endocrinology appointments for hormone replacement therapy, um, consultations for gender affirming surgery, um, transportation to appointments. Again, it's, it's a really all-encompassing program that really su supports and focuses support on trans-specific healthcare um, from a trans lens because I myself am a trans person who have experienced, you know, some hardships in our medical system and the school system. So if I can provide any sort of support to anybody who is of the LGBTQ community, specifically trans people, I'm happy to do so. And I love what I do. Thank you, Caden. And that's such a great lead in, you know, I say this a lot, but in the world of human services over the past 15 years, you know, you look at transformational moments in in the care that we give um, and the the idea of lived experience being part of the treatment paradigm, I think is the most transformational thing that has happened in mental health since really the um, the uh, discovery of first generation antipsychotics, um, just in terms of the the individual, the treatment process, and the person who guides that individual and gives them hope and gives them almost like a a, a, a glide path to where they want to be. And, um, you know, now I'm very proud to say that all over Bouncy we have peer support folks 
and PS specialists and and folks uh, doing their thing every day with people, which is just so enormously important to what we do. So I just wanted to get that plug in for uh, anybody who works in this field who has lived experience and the importance of that. Um, so let's broaden the the uh, conversation a little bit, Caden, because you know we started off by talking about um, what's going on in the world. I mean, you know, if you broaden it from the states, you get into you know, and, and any excuse for me to get the World Cup in is a good is good for me, but uh, because I'm a big soccer fan. But we're actually having a World Cup in a country that uh, that uh, has legislation which is anti-gay, which is extraordinary it should never have happened and it makes me very sad because it's one of the biggest events in the world yet we have an organization like fifa who is willing to take bribes uh, and whatever they took and turn a blind eye to some of the most basic human rights that uh, that i can imagine um but let's get a bit closer to home here okay now massachusetts is a state which is somewhat more enlightened than than many others and you and i had a uh, a conversation a few weeks about, ago about what was going on in florida <clears throat> with this uh, with um, uh, governor DeSantis and some of his as they called it i think don't say gay uh, legislation but also um, this idea of rolling back protections that it that exists for folks um and so talk a little bit about that and how that's perceived uh, in, in the trans community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really like as much as it is like, of course, a legislative issue where we need to be fighting for rights and, you know, getting down to like the root cause of the issue, which is like homophobia and transphobia. As a trans person, seeing that just constantly on the media and my clients can speak to this as well. It's just it's really, it's dehumanizing, like honestly, really dehumanizing. Every time you flip on the news and there's another event that happens, another incident at like a gay bar or there's another law that's being passed, it puts you in a box. And that is like the opposite of what transgender and being a part of the LGBTQ community really means. So is as disheartening and as dehumanizing as it is, it, it has a specific purpose and we have to fight in order to go against those and it gives us the drive and the motivation to elicit change do you feel as if um leaving it you know i i, I always get this i mean I'm, I'm not um originally from this country but one of the things that i was sort of surprised about when i came to this country was how much um sort of authority the states have now i i came from the country that was, it has one government um, and, you know, this sort of idea of leaving decisions up not to states, but to counties, you know, to districts um, puts uh, folks who are in the minority, folks who have um, struggled with stigma at more risk, right? Because you're more likely to have pockets of places where those rights don't exist. And, you know, one of the things I hear, let's take Florida for a minute, is um, you know, the uh, Floridian might say to you, I don't know what the fuss is about. You know, we have these protections in plenty of towns uh, and municipalities. In fact, we there are more people covered by those rights in Florida than there are in 15 different states put together. Uh, is that a good argument? I I think they're they're trying to kind of scapegoat around like the actual point of what these laws are, because 
people uh, of recent years are truly believing that there is an epidemic of trans people, that there is some sort of agenda that trans people such as myself and other advocates have for like the youth of this generation, that we're trying to make them trans, we're trying to push this ideology. And that's just, it's simply not true because trans people make up less than 1% of like the entire population. So when you really look at it from that small perspective, you see how detrimental these things can be because they only affect a very, very small percentage of the population. And a lot of people who have right-wing ideologies like to blow it up and make it out to believe that it's this huge issue and this huge agenda that we're trying to force our kids to be trans. And it's that's just, it's simply not true. Statistically, ethically, it's just not true at all. And they're looking at wrong issues to place blame on for other issues and it's it's just frustrating to see but there's a playbook for that i mean yeah. you know you know if you think about that playbook um i remember the horrific scenes in um, virginia when the trump administration came in and of course that has reared its ugly head again with um with uh, kanye west and uh, and uh, fuentes who, who had uh, i guess who had a dinner date with trump uh, he was there that day when there were people walking through the streets saying the Jews will not replace us. Um, again, what percentage uh, of the world is Jewish? And yet there is this focus on hate that exists, which, um, you know, is 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 focused on one particular part of the population who are wanting to go about their lives, who want agency, um, who want the rights of everybody else to live a life that is authentic, um, and to live uh, a life um, that is real without harassment. If you put it like that, it becomes uh, it becomes less uh, potentially damaging for for the population. And you know what what surprises me, Caden, is that when you get a group of people, and I read this lovely story the other day about a couple who were it was a gay couple, male couple, who were on a, a plane and this guy's partner proposed to him on the plane uh, and actually it was a plane from florida and, and and the entire plane just got totally into it and they were clapping and and being um you know supportive of those people i wonder if it is this issue about that if you know people i always think about politicians um who uh, Pete Domenici, and I don't want to pick on this guy because, you know, he, he's certainly a Republican who is a fiscal conservative. Um, and yet, and from Arizona, he's not there anymore. But he, you know, he suddenly got in, in, interested in mental health because his uh, son or daughter struggled with bipolar disorder. So he was like then the advocate for, which, by the way, I think was great because we got some really good federal legislation passed. But it has to be close to home sometimes. It has to be, oh, well, you know, I don't know anyone like that. And then even some people go, well, you know, I think trans people are really threatening uh, the, the way of life we have, except for Jimmy. I know Jimmy and Jimmy's OK. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that I really struggle with around that understanding. And you must do, too. Yeah, I mean, it's also just it's important to remember just the sheer power that politicians and government officials truly have over like the general public's opinion on minority groups. Because if you give someone with extreme influence and political power a social platform to speak freely on issues, and of course we can in this country because we have our First Amendment rights. But once you start demonizing a group of people like saying that 
Jewish people are bad for the economy or like some other stereotype and that uh, gay people are trying to groom your children. Like people are going to start believing that if you keep feeding them that information. And if they, you know, happen to know someone that is Jewish, that is trans, that is a person of color, then there's always going to be that like, oh, like that's the exception right there. That's the exception because what they're being told and the information they're being fed is so not true and just full of misinformation that they genuinely have no other thing to believe like unfortunately so it's politicians and government officials have a responsibility to deliver true information to people and they just haven't been and that is personally why i believe there's been such an uptick in these anti-trans legislations and anti-semitism and in mass shootings against uh, minority populations yeah and of course only last week we had another uh, example of that, um, and it it is truly jarring um, to see that sort of thing when we think we've made so much progress. And I think it does worry a lot of people that we drift further and further apart. But when these things happen, Caden, when you know how important is the community to uh, a trans person that is, uh, or a gay person that is watching on the news every night um, where there's another nightclub massacre. How important is that community in sort of getting you through some of those issues? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as we have seen recently, just after the the Club Q shooting, that the um, the community immediately came together. Like even during this horrible incident that was happening, people were coming together to subdue the gunman, to make sure he couldn't hurt anybody else. And that is truly like, I cannot stress that enough. Community is the most important aspect of being in a minority population because without each other, we truly, we're, we're on our own for most of the cases. We, can, we have to educate allies and make sure that people are understanding that if they're not trans, then this is what it's like to be trans. And like, then we can accept, but it really starts together person to person in those communities to create, again, safe spaces like like a gay bar or like a like a queer friendly space um but community it, it, just through the work that i do as well it, it brings people together it significantly improves mental health and it's it, you know it's just always nice to have someone to talk to that knows what you're going through like at the end of the day we're all people and we want to relate to each other yeah you know it made me think about you, you mentioned ally allyship and uh, it's really interesting a few years ago um uh, an African-American guy came to talk to the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation um, and he gave this wonderful speech and he talked about allyship and and he and he said, listen, I'm a black guy. I grew up in Vermont. You know, if I didn't have allies, I'd have no one. I mean, because I think Vermont happens to be the whitest state in the <laughs> in the union. But his point was that in some ways you have to go further than allyship. You have to be a co-combatant. You have to you have to put on on the line. Uh, the rights of people who are not like you, because who do they come for next sort of thing. And I thought that that was a great observation around, you know, what is expected of an ally. And, um, you know, especially the trans world, it, it, the language is so important. Um, and, and I think some people uh, fear language uh, especially especially the older generations the boomers you know um, find that very difficult to get a handle on and you know uh, i wonder if there's a fine line that you walk around bringing people on and educating them as opposed to 
sort of rejecting their point of view if they don't quite understand the language. Because, you know, my mom is, uh, and I often talk about my mom, she is, uh, I talk about it because she's in another country and she's not going to hear, but, <laughs> but, you know, my mom is 87, she's going to be 88 in January, and she is completely bemused by this change in language. But in her heart, she has love, and mm -hmm. but she just doesn't get it. And, you know, it must be a little bit of a conundrum, you know, to to the trans community to hear language that is that is a microaggression, yet trying to understand that people are trying to to get it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I as you know, I do these trans one on one trainings where I, you know, provide LGBTQ cultural competency to like health agencies. I've recently started doing it with police departments as well. Um, and that's it's been really challenging because I I have to sit there in front of an audience and explain to people at the very core of my presentation why you should respect trans people, the history of trans people and what happens when you don't respect trans people, which is increased murder, increased violence, increased suicide, all of those statistics that we can see. So standing there, I receive this feedback and they're, you know, un unknowingly using slurs or unknowingly using uh, really hurtful names. And I have to sit there and kind of just be like, thank you for sharing that with me right here, right now, because I'm not like, I'm trying to help you and I'm trying to train you, but otherwise outside of this room, shouldn't be saying those words. And I think it's been really helpful, especially for the police departments around here because they are so involved in the community right. um, that these trainings are happening and that I, they are able to just be super frank with me and be like, oh, is this word offensive? Is it offensive when I say this, when I do this? And I'm like, yes please don't say it again, but I really appreciate you asking because that is exactly how we learn because it gets uncomfortable. It gets really, really uncomfortable, but that, you know, people walk out of that room knowing that people can use they, them pronouns in a singular sense. And I'm super happy with that. So. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh, um, thank you for doing that as well. Kate, because I know that must be, that must take an emotional tone, tone when you, when you hear those words, even, even if they're in the context of learning, mm -hmm. um, but, I think you make a really good point. Um, there are some good people out there who just have not got, have no exposure to uh, the language, to, you know, meeting people and conversing with them, breaking bread with them. Um, I think that is a, a huge piece of this. But um, but I do think um, there is so, there is so far to go. And you mentioned the statistic. Well, you mentioned the consequences of us not paying attention, of us not being an inclusive community, um, and us striving to be. Because I don't think we'll ever. You know, you never get to a point where you go, "Oh yeah, we're inclusive now. That's great." I mean, there's always work to be done, um, and the and the rationale for it is exactly what you said, which is, you know, suicide among trans teens is 10 times the rate of teens in the population. I mean, that is an extraordinary statistic. The risk there is massive. And we, as human beings, can mitigate that risk by just changing our behavior. And human to human, isn't that a compelling argument? Yeah, I mean, it should be. That is like at the base of you know, my trainings and what, how I try to explain this to people because people just immediately feel very threatened by trans topics. Again, the the percentage of like pe trans people who experience suicidality and, and violence and oppression and things like that. Just remembering that that is 
affecting a very, very small percentage of the population. So the people in the communities it is affecting is absolutely devastating because it's only 10%, yes, but like it's 10% of this already really small community. So it's just getting those trainings out there has been really helpful, especially just for police departments um, because they're the ones making the, 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 um, the mental health calls. Um, I actually watched a video recently of a police officer who was wearing like a little uh, like a identifying pin on his badge that was like the inclusive flag um, and he responded to a call where an LGBTQ person was um, sexually assaulted and they didn't want to talk to anybody else they just experienced a really traumatic event and you know I wouldn't want to talk to anyone else either but this person with the the flag came into the room and this person was like oh like I can talk to you. You are a safe person to speak to. And this person was able to get justice for what they experienced. Mm -hmm. So even if it's just a tiny sticker on your badge, letting people know that you're a safe person to talk to, you can quite literally save a life. Okay. And how do we get hold of those little uh, flags? I actually reached out to the company um, and I want to see if we can order a bunch for Bamsi because I think that would be a really good idea. Oh my God, I think that'd be a wonderful idea. I, I, I absolutely, I, I remember during the refugee crisis, we, we would wear safety pins um, and, and, and it really does make a, a, a difference, I think. So yeah, we should get on that. That would be great. Well, Caden, I think we're approaching the end of the show, which seems to have gone like a minute, but uh, as usual, um, really helpful conversation. And I really appreciate you coming on again. And I hope that you will uh, in a couple of months come back and let us know how you're doing. Yeah, heck yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, thanks, Kate.